Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bombardier Second Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. Please be advised that this call is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the discussion over to Mr. Francis Rochet de la Flèche, Vice President, Investor Relations for Bombardier. Please go ahead, Mr. Rochet de la Flèche. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bombardier's Earning Call for the second quarter ended June 30th, 2021. I wish to remind you that during the course of this call, we may make projections or other forward-looking statements regarding future events or the financial performance of the corporation. There are risks that actual events or results may differ materially from these statements. For additional information on forward-looking statements and underlying assumptions, please refer to the MDNA. I'm making this cautionary statement on behalf of each speaker on this call. With me today is our President and Chief Executive Officer, Eric Martel, and our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Bart Damaski, to review our operations and financial results for the second quarter of 2021. I would now like to turn over the discussion to Eric. Alors, thank you, Francis. Uh, bonjour à tous. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. We certainly have a lot to cover today, and we are excited to share our progress. In a few moments, Bart will provide more detail about the improved guidance we issued earlier this morning and talked about our proactive debt management action. But first and foremost, I am proud to share that the second quarter was exceptional on all fronts. I want to particularly highlight the $91 million in free cash flow the business generated. Besides the fact it's an improvement of more than $840 million year over year, it's a window into the longer-term potential of our business as we continue to drive our strategic plan, grow earnings, and reduce interest costs. So year over year, Q2 can be summarized simply as much better. Better revenue, better profitability, better cash generation, better service revenue, and perhaps most importantly, better aircraft sales. Reaching an in-quarter book-to-bill of 1.8 on units is something we haven't seen in a few years. I've had activity within all our customers' segment to achieve this. Demand in North America with traditional customer is strong. We are also very engaged with our fleet customer who are seeing new customer of their own. And finally, we are very active on the specialized aircraft front. I've kept a close eye on rebuilding backlog across our portfolio. It is the foundation to predictable success, just as much as the better cost base we are creating through our work on the global 7500 learning curve and our target for $400 million in recurring saving by 2023. I am very proud of the team's performance, resilience, and engagement in weathering the storm throughout 
the pandemic. The market now is certainly starting to give us tailwind. I'll speak to this in a few moments because uh, there is room for optimism, but our plan, as we mentioned at Investor Day, is designed to perform without extra market boost. We will continue to focus on being predictable and disciplined in our operation. That said, the market landscape has maintained an upward trend to noted, we noted when we last spoke. Macroeconomic indicators continue to point to favorable conditions. In certain cases, the trends have evolved into strong rebounds. We have seen a strong rebound in business flying, but border restrictions are still in place between key country pairs that larger aircraft typically connect. There is still room for activity to improve in markets like Asia. All signs point to further potential in business aircraft utilization as we progress through the next few months. At this stage, though, it's important we continue to maintain a prudent approach and focus on what we control. We do, however, have increased confidence both in our plan and the market's availability to sustain this momentum. We are confident in our path to deliver approximately 120 aircraft, as well as higher margin than planned this year. This stems from our all-around solid execution in the first half of the year, our greater confidence in market momentum, and most importantly, our ability to accelerate our cost reduction initiative implementation. Before I speak to the rest of our plan, I'd like to circle back to one of the most notable market indicators which is pre-owned aircraft availability. It is not outperforming pre-pandemic levels, with most recent reports showing around 4 to 5% of the worldwide fleet for sale, we have reached a two-decade low in availability with very little, if not any, younger vintage aircraft being available. We see this pre-owned trend as an important leading indicator to new aircraft demand. It also helps create a better pricing landscape for new transactions, all while helping asset value retention for existing aircraft owners. We also see the pre-owned segment as an opportunity to further diversify our revenue, as we outlined in our investor day. To that end, we recently launched a certified pre-owned aircraft program, which is a win-win in this market climate. This program sees Bombardier leveraging our service network to seek out and transform available aircraft into a more desirable offering for customers shopping in that sphere. We also continue to expand our service network reach and footprint. During the second quarter, we received the keys to our Singapore service center expansion with construction complete. We're now turning our focus to staffing and operationalizing the center nearly quadruple physical capacity in line with strong demand. Our similar project in the UK, Miami, and Australia also remain on track. Before I pass the floor to Bart, I'd like to quickly touch on progress toward the other opportunities we outlined at Investor Day. We have excellent line of sight on our cost reduction target 
The 100 global 7500 aircraft is moving toward the interior completion phase now, and we like the progress we're seeing from the team. If anything, we are working the learning curve slightly ahead of plan. On our recurring cost-saving plan, as we previously mentioned, we had a small portion of the 400 million left to identify. We've made great progress on that front. We also have begun identifying and actioning further Kaizen projects. But more importantly, this will become the foundation of our continuous improvement lean mindset. With all of this, the team's work is already contributing more than originally planned to our bottom line this year, as you'll see when Bart detail the guidance. And finally, deleveraging. We have spent a lot on this over the past three months. We've responsibly deployed capital towards clearing the three-year runway we set out with only one billion left to go toward that objective. We've also seized refinancing opportunities where it makes sense. So let me stop here and turn it over to Bart to provide the details of our exceptional second quarter results, our raised full year expectation, and what we've accomplished in terms of deleveraging our balance sheet. Bart, over to you. Thank you very much, Eric, and, uh, and good morning, everyone. As we, uh, as we turn the page on the first half of 2021, I am very pleased with what we've achieved so far this year. As Eric just outlined, we've made considerable progress on all of our priorities. Financially, we've had strong performance to date, which includes a 9.3% first half adjusted EBITDA margin and positive free cash flow generation in the second quarter. We've also announced today that we are revising our full year guidance upwards across all metrics. And I'll provide you with a little bit more color on this uh, shortly. That said, we are taking nothing for granted. Our management team knows there is a lot more work ahead of us, and we remain fully focused on creating long-term value and reaching our 2025 objectives. Our strategic plan remains intact and we are confident that we will continue to generate strong results in the future. Before we dive into our Q2 results and guidance revision, I'd like to begin by adding to Eric's comments regarding the progress on the four strategic priorities we outlined during our investor day. First, the Global 7500 learning curve is performing to plan. We remain on track to our objective of 20% unit cost reduction between the 50th and 100th aircraft and we continue to have cost visibility well into next year. Program margins are improving quarter over quarter, and we expect margins to be accretive by the end of the year. Second, our $400 million cost reduction plan is continuing to pick up speed. We are now expecting to exceed the $100 million objective we set for ourselves this year and remain on track for the full $400 million in run rate savings by 2023. To that end, we have already identified and are implementing actions to capture 325 million of the 400 million target. And we expect to launch a number of initiatives in the coming months to close the remaining $75 million gap. Regarding our aftermarket expansion, our plan remains on track. Our fleet flying hours are back to pre-COVID levels, which bodes well for our business entering the second half of this year. 
as flight hours translate to more service events as well as an increase in pay-per-hour revenue streams. Finally, we have continued to make significant progress over the last few months on deleveraging our balance sheet. Now, I, I do know that there have been uh, many press releases in the second quarter with regards to our capital structure. So let me give you a summary of where we stand as of today. First, we have reduced our gross debt by $2.7 billion since the start of the year and have also cleared 75% of the maturities we were facing in the 21 to 23 window. As Eric said, we now have approximately 1 billion remaining to clear a maturity runway that will be there until December of 2024. Our bondholders have been very supportive of our plan, allowing us to successfully issue 1.5 billion of new debt, of which 1.2 billion matures in 2026, and 260 million matures in 2034. When combining all of the actions taken so far, we have increased our average years to maturity almost 50% from 3.4 years to five years currently. We have also reduced annual interest costs by more than 200 million so far. And we still have room to further optimize. With over 2.1 billion of pro forma liquidity at our disposal, we have optionality going forward. Overall, our plan continues to progress. Our objective is to build a three-plus-year maturity runway, seek opportunistic refinancing of our existing debt, and work to optimize liquidity. Now, during our investor day, I mentioned that our capital structure approach would be phased. We continue to consider all of our options and also take into account changing market conditions as well as the performance of our own bonds. And you should expect us to continue this methodical and phased approach in the future as we progress towards our long-term goals. So with that, let's move on to our Q2 results, which continue to build off our strong Q1 performance. Total revenues for the quarter reached $1.5 billion, resulting from 29 aircraft deliveries and $295 million in aftermarket revenues. Reported revenues are up 25% year-over-year, and more importantly, up 50% when adjusting for the impact from the divestitures we made in commercial aviation and aerostructures. Our business aircraft year-over-year -year revenue growth was the result of nine incremental deliveries, as well as improved mix. Large cabin aircraft accounted for a higher content of deliveries, going from nine in 2020 to 17 this year. This includes 11 global 7500 aircraft, demonstrating that we continue to smooth out the delivery profile for this platform. For the aftermarket business, revenues continued their quarter-over-quarter -quarter recovery towards pre-COVID levels, increasing from $269 million in Q1 to $295 million in Q2. This represents an increase of 29% versus Q2 of last year demonstrating a strong recovery year-over-year. Year. Overall flight hours for the Bombardier fleet ended Q2 back at pre-COVID levels, with North America going strong and hours in Europe starting to ramp up. As I mentioned earlier, divestitures did have an impact when comparing year-over-year year reported results. Revenues from aerostructures and commercial aviation accounted for a 225 million year-over-year year reduction in revenues in Q2, and $625 year-to-date. Moving to earnings, 
total adjusted EBITDA for the quarter was $143 million, representing an EBITDA margin of 9.4%. Adjusted EBIT was $32 million for an EBIT margin of 2.1%. Our adjusted EBITDA increased $112 million year over year. When looking at EBITDA margins, this marks an improvement of 690 basis points to 9.4% versus the 2.5% in the same quarter of last year. We also saw sequential quarter improvements versus Q1 of this year. The year-over-year improvement is attributable to the following factors. First, on the new aircraft side, we delivered more aircraft than in 2020. We also benefited from an improved delivery mix due to a higher content of large cabin aircraft, which typically come with higher margins. On top of this, the Global 7500 aircraft margin contribution is a significant tailwind versus 2020 and continues to sequentially improve versus the first quarter of this year, on track with our objective for margins to be accretive to Bombardier by the end of the year. Turning to our cost reduction efforts, we have already seen more than half of the $100 million savings targeted for this year materialize, and we now expect savings from the cost reduction efforts to be approximately $115 million for the full year, partially contributing to the increase in our EBIT and EBIT dive guidance. Continuing with free cash flow, we saw a consolidated cash generation of $91 million in Q2, which included approximately $60 million of non-recurring charges, adding to the $100 million we spent in Q1. As a reminder, we are planning for approximately $200 million in non-recurring cash charges for the full year of 21. Our Q2 free cash flow result was underpinned by strong earnings, as well as positive working capital performance, stemming from strong order activity and disciplined inventory management. Advanced levels increased by $318 million to Q2, in, sorry, in Q2, as our unit book to bill reached approximately 1.8 and our overall backlog grew by $300 million to $10.7 billion. As expected, Global 7500 deliveries continued to outpace orders, but we expect this to stabilize as we near the targeted 18 to 24 month backlog window. It's important to also note that interest payments remained high at $237 million in the second quarter, which is comparable to the $243 million we paid in Q2 of last year. This is the result of paying the accrued interest on debt which was being retired. However, we will begin to see meaningful reductions to our cash interest costs in the second half of this year as we start benefiting from the deleveraging actions we have taken. Now on to full year objectives. After a strong first half based on solid execution and positive market momentum, we have made tremendous progress on building backlog and also find our production nearly sold out for the remainder of the year. As such, we expect aircraft deliveries to come in at the high end of our original guidance at approximately 120. Impacts from seasonality over the summer months will result in a calmer Q3 versus Q2 before an expected strong delivery output in Q4. This increase in deliveries, coupled with the positive trends in aftermarket flying hours, is driving an increase in our top line expectation to now be greater than $5.8 billion up from prior guidance. Looking at EBITDA margins, the combination of a nearly sold-out skyline for the second half of the year faster achievement of our cost reduction actions, 
and year-to-date EBITDA margins of 9.3% give us increased confidence in our full-year EBITDA performance. As a result, we are raising the expectation to greater than $575 million and EBIT to greater than $175 million. And this implies EBITDA margins for the full year in the 10% range versus 9% based on our original guidance. Q3 EBITDA margins should again be in the 9% range, as mentioned last quarter, before a stronger finish to the year. Finally, we have raised our free cash flow guidance by $200 million to better than $300 million of free cash flow usage, which does include the $200 million in non-recurring outflows. This is the product of the increase in our profitability guidance, coupled with stronger working capital performance and increased certainty surrounding interest costs. Given our year-to-date free cash flow usage is $314 million, we expect to be positive for the second half of the year. Now, despite all the encouraging signs we are seeing, there does remain many uncertainties, mostly around economic recovery and reopenings. And for this reason, we continue to be prudent in our free cash flow estimates. Again, considering the summer seasonality, we expect Q3 to be quieter than Q2 before a stronger finish to the year. So to conclude, we have achieved a lot so far this year, but it remains a transition year. The plan we shared in early March remains on track, and we continue to focus on becoming a more predictable, profitable, and resilient business aviation company. We remain focused on executing our strategic priorities and have made significant progress this year. We will keep clear, transparent communication with all of our stakeholders as we continue to reach milestones in the future. Thank you very much. Uh, With that, I'll turn it uh, back over to Francis to begin the Q&A session. Thanks, Mark. I'd like to remind you that the Bombardier Investor Relations team is available following the call to answer any questions you may have. With that, we'll open up the line. Uh, Operator, we're ready for our first question. Thank you. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone, touch touch tone telephone. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift your handset and then press star 1. Should you wish to cancel your question, please press star 2. To allocate time for all participants, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question. And our first question is from Cameron Dirksen from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Cameron. So I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more about, uh, I guess, the new order activity that you're seeing uh, for for business jets. How has that trended, I guess, into Q3? Are you seeing similar strength? And I'm also wondering if you can comment a little bit about the the pricing that you're seeing on on new orders and how that compares to what's in the backlog. Okay. Yeah, uh, great question, Cameron. So uh, first of all, we are foreseeing... uh, the same momentum in Q3 that we've seen in Q2. So uh, the level of activity, especially in North America, remained very strong. Uh, The rest of the world is picking up. Uh, I think we've mentioned also uh, how successful I think the fleet operator are in the current environment. And as you know, Bombardier is probably better positioned than any OEM with the fleet operator. So clearly for us, uh, it's been an, uh, an interesting journey in, in that sense. So, uh, and in terms of pricing, on your question on pricing, uh, we are uh, uh, very happy to what we're seeing right now. So pricing is firming up. Uh, we, we've seen it going through Q2, 
and uh, you know clearly the backlog that we've been able to uh, to uh, to uh, to generate in the last quarter, which was a uh, you know over 50 airplanes, is giving us good confidence. That's one of the reasons today why we are capable of uh, you know uh, improving our guidance uh, towards the rest of the year. Okay, great. And just just to follow on that, just. Um, I just also wonder what you're seeing on kind of on, on trade-ins. Uh, is there any kind of changes you're seeing there? Are you being you know less aggressive, or you're feeling you have to be less aggressive on taking trade-ins? Uh, you know, we, we, we there's not many airplanes, as I said earlier, being available out there. But when we have an opportunity to trade in, we look at them one by one, and if it makes economical sense for us, especially with the new pre-owned program that we've just uh, you know launched a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we show probably uh, interest there of, of bringing an airplane in, uh, recertifying that airplane, you know, for the for the market which needs it right now. So so clearly uh, it's a it's a case by case uh, depending on the state of the airplane. But uh, again, there's not that many available, but we are very selective and and being careful there. But we believe that we are probably better positioned than anyone to add value uh, to those legacy airplanes. Okay, great. Uh, thanks very much. Thank you. The next question is from Konark Gupta from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Good morning, and thanks for taking my question. Um, so, morning, um, the book-to-build ratio from 1.8 times was, was pretty strong, uh, and as you mentioned, uh, Eric, uh, it's been the, the best you have seen in many, many uh, months or years, maybe. Um, how much of this uh, strong demand is, is driven by, you think, uh, travelers uh, who were previously flying commercial and what are your customers, especially fleet customers, telling you about sustainability in the demand? Yeah. So, um, as we indicated before, thanks, Connor, for your question. We um, we clearly see new uh, customer. You know, a, a fair, a, a bigger percentage probably than usual on new customer. But clearly, I think where there is much more momentum right now is with the fleet operator. So, I think that the people that used to fly commercial right now for safety reason mainly and also availability of, of connection i think that, and 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 those that can afford it they are shifting towards you know fleet operator more and more and which creates uh, quite a bit of demand for uh, for the fleet operators so i would say probably that this is where there is strong momentum right now and as i just said we are very well positioned bombardier towards the major fleet operator across the globe so uh, so that's that's great for our business but also at the same time on those non-fleet operator, you know, uh, personal uh, user, uh, we see, uh, you know, new uh, entrant. But we also see, you know, people renewing their fleet, you know, and, and they've been with us for a long time and refreshing their airplane in that market. That's great, Dan. Thanks, Eric. And just to follow up on the, on the backlog here, uh, so it was up uh, $300 million sequentially. Uh, the book to build ratio in the units was pretty strong, so I'm, I'm assuming um, there's been more order activity perhaps in um, in the smaller or medium sized jets versus globals. Is that correct? And if uh, if you can uh, going to provide any color on the splits, please. Thanks. Okay, so um, you know clearly we're extremely happy with uh, with our backlog strengthening, and I think I've said it before. We had a you know a, clearly some program where we, our backlog was very low. Now, uh, right in front of us, we have good backlog on every single program, uh, which, which give us that you know, predictable level and better visibility 
And again, I think having better visibility is, is, is giving us predictable success on the delivery, on pricing, on a lot of front. So clearly the backlog right now is, is, is better distributed, if I can say it this way, on all front, on all program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Benoit Poirier from Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yes. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, so first question. Uh, bonjour, Benoit. <laughs> yes. Uh, on the back of the uh, good backlog and good visibility you have on all specific programs, what do you need to see before revisiting your production rates upward? Yeah, great question. Uh, we are, we're asking ourselves that question every day, but uh, to be fully transparent with you, I think right now we are very focused on, on growing our backlog. And you know, there is, we have internal target on, in terms of number of months of backlog that we like to see uh, on airplane. Of course, there's a minimum number that give us more comfort and more predictability, but having too much backlog also can become a problem, you know, because you don't have the availability for customer if the market is strong. So we have a clear target of a minimum and a maximum, which obviously for competitive reasons I'm not going to share, but clearly, uh, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we will re revisit, you know, if we ever achieve those maximum or exceed those maximum targets of backlog. So clearly, uh, you know, we're having a conversation, but, you know, there's no decision. Right now, we're really focused on filling the backlog, making it, us more predictable. At the same time, in parallel to that, and I think we've mentioned that earlier on this call, we have to, uh, to, uh, to be humble also. You know, the market is very strong right now, but, you know, uh, you've been following that, that, that industry long enough, uh, uh, Benoit, that sometimes things can change rapidly. So we have to be careful uh, and assess also the impact of what's happening right now. We see, as, as you, we all know, you know, uh, wave four probably picking up clearly uh, in some other countries starting here. So we have to assess what this could mean. So far, you know, the moment, it gave momentum. You know, the pandemic has given momentum to the business jet industry. But at the same time, you know, if the economy is being affected at large, then, you know, we have to assess that. So between you know, having our own target on backlog, but also our view on the long term of the market and uh, especially on the financial point of view uh, will be key in that decision. Okay, th that's great, caller. And just for the follow-up, could you maybe talk a little bit about the uh, strategy for the remaining billion dollars over the next three years and whether the free cash flow, we should expect somewhat of a reversal in Q3 before seeing a strong finish toward the year in Q4. Thank yeah. you. So I think, Benoit, you're alluding to our cost-saving program in the next three years and in your first question. So if that's the case, we've made uh, great progress on our cost-saving program, uh, and, and the remaining part is, is, is getting smaller and smaller. So we have clear, uh, clear uh, you know, visibility on how we will be achieving the majority of that $400 million saving. In terms of maturity, and I'm, I'm, I wasn't too sure if you were also covering uh, the maturity, we have a billion dollars left to be addressed so that we clear the whole runway, uh, you know, up to the uh, next maturity of 2023, which will put us in a great position. That was what we've announced and what was our intent, you know, and, and our target when we uh, had investor the early March. And, and we're inside of achieving this. So, 
So clearly that will make us, put us in a great position because then if we achieve that, and, 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 and that's our goal, uh, that the next maturity will be at December 2024 now. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. The next question is from Walter Spracklin from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yes, thanks very much. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Walter. So, so I'd just like to follow up on Benoit's question on production rates and, and uh, assuming that the strong book to bill continues and demand um, uh, continues despite any, a, any challenges uh, uh, regarding the uh, fourth wave and so on. What, what is the highest production rate uh, that you can deliver without any major uh, CapEx spend? I know there was some indications before about what that level might be, um, but obviously you've, you've, you've done a lot of reconfiguration, just, just looking for the, the new production capacity that exists with your current footprint without any major uh, 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 CapEx spend to, 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 to change it. Um, I would suggest that we, we do have, uh, and, and of course, uh, Walter, I won't give a, a, a precise number here for competitive reason, but and I'm sure you understand, but uh, if you look at the Challenger, uh, you know, we have without investment capability to improve, you know, quite a bit our, our production rate. Uh, as you know, we've always kept the, 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 the space, you know, we've minimized our space in the last year and we continue to do that, but we still have quite a bit of room on the Challenger. Uh, it's a bit uh, less on the global, but we still have room. You know, there's years where we used to produce, you know, uh, 80 global a year, and we still have that footprint. Uh, and 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 so overall, we're in a good position, and we have other sites also that we could always use if we would like to do more than that. So so the capability is there uh, to answer your question to to increase the rate with the actual footprint. Okay, that's very encouraging. And, and looking out to your guidance in 2025 and given your trajectory here in the early part, in the early uh, year of that, uh, of that path, you're, you're achieving uh, results ahead of expectations, ahead of your own, um, uh, your, your own uh, guidance on the near term. Does that mean that the, that the curve is just, the shape of the curve is changing and the end result is the same? in terms of 2025, or are you seeing new avenues that were unexpected that would, is now pushing or, or putting upward pressure, uh, upward uh, support to your 2025 guidance, and what would have to happen before you adjust your uh, 2025 guide? So those are great questions. Um, I believe right now it's probably too early to assess. You know, 2025 is still four years away. Uh, there's a lot of things, you and I know that there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then. But to your point, it's great to be on the uh, positive side of the curve we, uh, we've already designed. But, you know, to answer also your next question, which is what would that take? Uh, of course, you know, if we would see that momentum, you know, on the positive side for a couple of years in a row, then I think you know there's 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 a, a case to be made that we should revisit potentially that guidance. But I don't think we're there yet. Uh, you know, right now we 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 are happy to be ahead of the curve, if I may say it this way. But in the long run, you know, it's it's too far ahead right now to be able to predict that. So that would take a boost of the market, really, and and uh, too early to assess right now. 
Okay, thank you very much for the time, Eric, and uh, uh, congratulations on a good quarter. Thank you, sir. Thank you. The next question is from Robert Spingarn from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. And, yeah, and good let morning, me echo Ron. that. Nice, nice numbers today. I do have a few questions or clarifications I wanted to ask about. Um, you know, Bart, just on the backlog being flat December to June, I know it's up from March, um, and I'm sure you talked about this last quarter, but could you just remind us what, what happened there, given that the book-to-bill has been good all year so far? Is it the yeah, services sure. business that's included there? Yes, yes, absolutely. So, so we 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 started the year with a with a strong backlog of uh, close to where we are currently at 10.7 billion. We did see an increase uh, in backlog over the quarter. Now that was on the back of uh, of strong uh, strong new order activity in the first quarter uh, and the second quarter. We did have a, a significant number of deliveries of our larger aircraft. So that uh, that's why we see a bit of a the shape of the curve that you're probably looking at. Um, however, we also have been able to now build strong backlog on all of our other platforms. As Eric was mentioning earlier, we've got good distribution across across all the platforms now, and uh, uh, with the book to bill at 1.8 being across all of them. We aren't going to speculate on targeting backlog level, Rob, as you can probably appreciate for, for competitive reasons, but uh, we're very pleased with where we're at. Hopefully that gives you a bit of a a bit of color as to why the, the shape of the curve uh, is what it is. Got it. It's, it's, it sounds like it's mixed. Um, it is. So, that, yeah, the, the next thing I wanted to ask, Eric, just high level strategically, obviously the high end of the market is, is, is very um, attractive, and now uh, Dassault is going to jump in with the 10X. You've got the 700 coming, and all of this happens toward the end of your forecast or your guidance period, but what do you think about the high end of the market may be getting a little bit crowded, and does that um, perhaps affect the profitability at some yeah. point? Not not in the near term, but down the road. Down the road, but that's a fair question. But you know, first of all, you know the Falcon 10X right now is 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 a paper plane, so we're still years away before we really see this hit the ground. But uh, you know, the more important part is we are very much pleased with the performance of our global 7500. So the global 7500 right now uh, is receiving a, a very favorable, you know, uh, is very favorable to our customer. You know, this is the airplane that is, is the uh, leading edge airplane of the industry right now, not just of Bombardier, but of the industry. Uh, so, you know, it's flying higher, faster, further than, than any other airplane. And the most important thing, too, is the reliability-wise, uh, you know, we are outpacing uh, pretty much all airplanes. So that airplane, you know, even if it's a, still a young program, it's already performing extremely well on the reliability front. So um, we do believe also that our airplane specs, are, uh, you know, all performing, everything is that is available right now to compete with us. Um, you, you know, customer buys the airplane. The principal, most of the time, that buys the airplane, the interior design is always one of the most important things. So there's the airplane performance, and, and this we, we still continue to lead. But also, uh, Bombardier has a clear, a clear trade. Uh, it's our part of our trademark that, you know, we do the best interior. Uh, you know, we always refresh our design. We always offer the best technology on board, 
and that's something that is uh, that is uh, extremely important. So, you know, we 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 we're planning also with new entrants coming in, and and yes, there'll be, but it was already taken care of and made, made a, as an assumption part of our plan for 25. Okay, and then just just thank you for that. Just to finish up, I I wanted to delve into this pre-owned venture that you're talking about. Just make sure I understand what it is you're going to do. Is this simply uh, a focus on some trade-in aircraft, or are you actually going out into the second-hand market? Yeah. Now, we're going to do both, actually. So, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, uh, we, we have access uh, more easily on, you know, what's coming our way, you know, with trade-in. But you do, we do believe, and, and we've studied that, and we actually did a couple of airplanes uh, this year, and, and there's things that are exclusive in terms that an OEM can do on an airplane that nobody else can in terms of, uh, you know, uh, resetting, you know, uh, a, few, a few things on the airplane so that it creates value. So we are positioned to create value on every one of those airplanes more than anyone. And we believe as an OEM, we, uh, we, uh, you know, there's a market for that. And, and, you know, people like the idea that that airplane came to the OEM, was completely reset and refreshed uh, with new technology put on board. And, and we have the capability, of course, in our service center across the world to do that. So that's, that's, so this that's what we're having in mind. This will be strictly Bombardier aircraft, not anything else? Uh, strictly Bombardier airplane. Okay. Um, excellent. Excellent. Uh, thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Noah Papanek from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Noah. <laughs> hey, it, just, it wasn't clear to me what the answer was uh, there to the unit backlog being considerably higher than, um, or uh, sorry, the unit book to bill versus, you know, the book-to-bill implied by the change in the backlog. There's, there's a big differential there. Is that is, is Challenger stronger than Global, or is it just, you know, having the 7,500 in the denominator but not the numerator? Um, I just want to make sure I understand that. Yeah. And then – I think um, one of the um, – I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. I thought you were finished. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I'll, I'll leave it there. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we said uh, earlier in, in this meeting and, and earlier in the year – is that we had a very strong backlog, multi-year backlog on the global 7500. The reality is that we also said that the delivery on the 7500 will be outpacing the gross order this year. So, right. so if you strictly look at the 7500, and as you know, every one of those airplanes has, has more value than any of the other airplanes on the backlog, it will be depleting a little bit this year. But this was something that we saw in Q1 and in Q2, uh, but we've seen every other single platform increasing. So that's, that's the reality. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we, are always, we, we have a minimum and a maximum target in terms of number of months for every product. And the good news right now is on the 7500, we had, you know, a long backlog. Now we're getting into the zone where people will be more comfortable because, you know, the, the, the delivery date is in reach, I would say, this way. Uh, and, and more uh, visible to them. So uh, it, it was normal, uh, you know, when we have a huge backlog, you're starting delivery to see that backlog depleting for, for a couple of quarters, even a couple of years. But now, uh, as I mentioned, we're getting into the zone that we like to be, 
and, and we believe that we, uh, between now and year end, we're going to see uh, order picking up on the 7500. But so, Eric, it, it sounds like putting the 7500 aside, it doesn't sound like you're seeing a big difference in mid versus large X7500 in Challenger versus 5500, 6500. It sounds fairly broad-based. Is that fair? If you're talking about the gross order, it's well distributed. In terms of new order platform. demand, yes. Yeah. The new order demand, you know, we're in the medium and large uh, business right now, and we see the order demand strong on both, on, on both uh, categories. Okay. And then just on the cash flow, um, you know, it, it's, it's been a while since the company had positive free cash flow in the second quarter. Um, the, the guidance for the year implies, you know, that the back half is kind of break even, I, although I think you maybe said slightly positive. Could you maybe just talk us through if there was any, you know, advances or other working capital uh, helping the second quarter? You know, does third quarter stay positive and fourth quarter doesn't have its usual seasonality or 3Q go negative and 4Q does have its seasonality? Any incremental color on that pacing would be really helpful. Sure. No. Yeah. It's, it's part here. Um, I think you've hit actually all of the all of the themes, uh, and it's it's a bit of all of that. So let me try and just walk you through this a little bit. So we had the 91 million of uh, of free cash flow positive generation in the second quarter, and you're right that was uh, that was ahead of our plan. So a very positive outcome. That does include uh, the absorption of about 60 million in non-recurring charges. So if you think of Future years going forward, it was it translates more into like a 150 million of of, uh, of positive cash flow. Um, now, uh, if I just kind of walk you through it, we if you look at the guidance, we uh, we had originally uh, uh, said we'd have better than 500 million of usage. We're now forecasting incremental profit of about 75 million. Uh, to your point, we did have uh, strong working capital uh, in the quarter, uh, better than uh, better than planned. So better inventory management as well as the strong new order activity and that contributed to to higher working or better working capital than we had planned and we're now uh, looking at uh, uh, increased certainty in the back half of the year and going forward on interest costs so that's the remaining 125 million approximately that gets us to the better the, than 300 million usage uh, you're correct in the uh, in the assumption I think I said this in my comments as well that uh, that we expect uh, to be break even in, in, in the back half, so you've, you've got that right. Uh, and with the, uh, the 7,500 deliveries out, outpacing and strong performance on the other uh, platforms, the thing we're focused on still is our goal uh, of, a, of building backlog, and, um, and we expect to reduce inventories in the second half of the year as well. So hopefully that gives you a bit more color on it. That, that is thank helpful. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Noah. Thank you. The next question is from Seth Seifman from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, th thanks very much, and uh, uh, good, good morning, and uh, good, good results. Um, I guess, uh, you know, Eric, when, when you spoke uh, a little while ago, and, you know, you spoke about kind of taking a, a, a long-term view um, and that, uh, you know, market demand uh, is fairly strong right now, stronger than it's been in a while, but, you know, have to think about things kind of through cycle and um, you know through cycle uh, 
you know, business jets has been um, in an in industry that, that at times it seemed like it, like it's had uh, so overcapacity. So I guess maybe um, if, if you update us on your and any thoughts you have, kind of uh, long term about um, uh, the, you know the potential for or you know need for consolidation in the industry. Okay, yeah, good point. So, um, you know, I don't want to speculate about consolidation of the industry. You know, those are things that are being looked into uh, by a lot of people all the time. But at this stage, uh, you know, we do remain focused on, on our own. Uh, we do have an amazing portfolio of product ourselves uh, in the field where we're competing. And we're competing in the large, medium, but also our services business. As you know, we have great ambition there of, of growing that business significantly over the next coming years. So, so that remains our focus. You know, our plan is clear. And, and clearly, you know, we'll, we'll continue, as I said earlier, to monitor the long-term trend of the industry. Uh, but so far, the trends are positive, which, uh, which uh, you know, we, uh, we are super happy with. And, and we'll see, I think, in the next two, three quarter if that trend solidify and then we hit those targets that we give ourselves internally in terms of, of backlog, we will be reassessing, you know, uh, what we do moving forward. But we are happy. We're ahead of the curve right now in the plan we uh, communicated. And, and you know, we, uh, we're not speculating on any uh, potential consolidation at this stage because we believe the market is strong. There's a lot of new customer coming in. The fleet operator are growing, and I think there'll be room for uh, for you know a lot of business airplane in in the next five years. So. Great, great. Uh, thanks very much. And then um, just to, to follow up real quick on the cash flow dynamics from from um, Noah's question, uh, Bart, with regard to the second half. So. Um, you know, when we think about Q4, especially with um, you know some improvement in deliveries, uh, interest costs it seems like should be better. Um, you know, cash flow is positive in the second quarter. Uh, is, is there, um, you know, with, with good performance, it would seem maybe, it, you know, there's potential to be better than um, break even in second half. Uh, but is there, uh, is, is there anything that I'm uh, omitting there in terms of headwinds versus uh, the the quarter um, that, that we just had? Yeah, thanks, Seth. I, so I, I, what I'd say is this: that uh, when we uh, when we came out with our investor day uh, in March of this year, uh, one of the things that we we said we wanted to try and do for our company and for the market was to be, you know, be reasonable and be uh, somewhat conservative on our um, on our in providing our outlooks and guidance. Um, and so I would say that on free cash flow, we are in our in our current guidance probably being a bit uh, a bit conservative. So we're being consistent with that strategy. We do feel very confident on executing on our plan for the remainder of the year. Uh, I think as Eric highlighted in his comments earlier, we're basically sold out on um, on all of our aircraft for the year, um, uh, or very near that. And so having the high confidence in our aircraft, uh, our aircraft sales and de and deliveries as well, uh, puts us in a great position. Uh, we have executed uh, on plan uh, for our debt reduction um, and uh, and recapitalization strategies. So you're right, that will give us uh, tailwind on on cash flows going forward because we're going to start to see uh, lower interest expense uh, contributing in the second half of this year and go forward. We're now over 200 million in reduced uh, interest expense, and in the first half 
of the year. We didn't really get to see uh, the benefit of that just yet because uh, we had to pay uh, accrued interest on um, on the on some of the bonds that we were retiring. So those things, all of those things, are are contributing. Now I will say as well, uh, I think we're being prudent by being a bit conservative. We all know there's um, uncertainty still out there. Eric's uh, quite right. Uh, volatility can occur, and so we want to remain uh, a bit conservative. You know, there's Delta variant, for example. So we'll continue to monitor markets, but very confident in uh, in our forecast for the for the back half of the year. Great. Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks, Seth. Thank you. The next question is from Stephen Trent from City. Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, yes. Good morning, and, and and thank you for taking my question. Um. I just wanted to think further out, you know, so certainly, um, you know, you've, you've presented a, a compelling uh, trajectory, uh, you know, through 2025. And when you think about the investment cycle, uh, you know, looking across global aviation, certainly on the commercial airline side, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about sustainable aviation fuel uh, and new generations of, of aircraft, uh, electric takeoff vehicles and what have you. Um, just from a high-level perspective, I'd love to get your thoughts on, on how you come down and all of that. Yeah. No, uh, this is a great question, Stephen, and thanks for uh, for asking that. But, you know, uh, I rejoined the company a year ago, and clearly my focus with the team here was, was the first five years in our first uh, strategic plan cycle. Uh, now we're in the middle of the second one, and clearly we're now thinking about year, I will call it year 5 to 15, uh, and and all those great questions are in front of us right now, and we're, we're we already spend money on on research and development on how can we get you know a a a, a an airplane flying with using a lot less uh, you know fuel than than it is today. And there's different answer that yes, we're working with the engine people, but us Bombardier, there's a lot we can do there, and it's you know I'm not even thinking here of, of sustainable fuel and, 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 and also engine performing better. I'm just thinking about the airplane itself. So our R&D right now is very focused. Uh, our, all our, pretty much all our R&D money spent right now is focused on, on thinking about airplane of the future being greener and, and, and being made more favorable to the environment. So, so that's clearly uh, how we are approaching it at this stage to, uh, to shape up the future and having a, a, have a, a greener business aircraft contribution, you know, a better contribution than we have today. Okay, appreciate that. And, and just as a very quick follow-up, I believe uh, Mr. Gupta asked earlier, if I'm not mistaken, um, when we think about, let's say, non-traditional uh, business jet customers, uh, you know, any sort of high-level sense, uh, you know, kind of roughly – what proportion of your uh, your new business is coming from uh, customers you usually uh, typically wouldn't see? I think that uh, you know that percentage was traditionally in the five six percent zone, uh, but clearly this year in terms of new entrant, uh, you know we've seen uh, that number increasing uh, to a, to a, to a larger extent. Uh, but we also have, as I said, you know, a lot of new entrants are using the channel of going to a fleet operator, which end up being good for us too. So it's difficult for me to put a precise number, but I, we, we clearly see that you know, we do ourselves have some sales that are 
are, are coming from uh, people that are, are, are you know, uh, joining, I would say, the business aircraft way of traveling, and, and also uh, uh, probably the majority of them are going towards a fleet operator. Okay, that's very helpful. Let me leave it there, and, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I'd like to turn the meeting back over to Mr. Martel. Okay, so um, thanks to all of you for, uh, for attending this morning, and it, it's a real pleasure for us to uh, exchange with, with you all. Um, we are building good momentum, and uh, like I've said many times, our main focus is transparency and predictability. Uh, we're very excited about the market and the product we are competing in the space, but uh, the heart of our plan is our customer and our people. Uh, we will continue to remain disciplined and prudent, and I look forward to speaking with you uh, all soon. So stay safe and healthy, and thank you for attending again. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.